Thanks, Bill. Hey guys, it's great to hang out with you tonight. Thanks, like Bill said, thanks for coming out on Friday night. Uh, I know many of you guys have long weeks, long days, um, but I do, I do, I think, honestly, it's like, man, Bill kept saying some things, like, for what, some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. I do, no, in a good way. I think it's prophetic, like, dip, the whole dipping the toes in the water is actually a, a, a really great image of some of the things I'm going to talk about, but... Um, a couple months ago, Bill came to me and said, hey, I want to do this thing called Fall Afresh. I want it to be about the Holy Spirit. What do you think? Will you speak at it? And I said, oh, man, that sounds awesome. But in my mind, I was thinking, nothing makes me more excited to talk about the Holy Spirit, but nothing makes me more nervous at the same time. Because, and I say that uh, humbly, but nervous meaning like, ooh, if we're going like, to make space for the Holy Spirit, that means that like, I'm actually going to give up a lot of control even up here on stage, and I like to have control. <laughs> I like to be in control. I think that's very typical of most men. Like we, we like to know that how things are going to go and that we have a say in things. But really, when, you, when, we, when we're inviting the Holy Spirit, we're, we're kind of saying, God, yeah, we're going to give you some space. We're going to give you some control. And that makes me nervous. But it definitely way more makes me excited. It makes me way more excited because as I look at my life, like, and I look at my, my, my journey with Jesus over a number of years that it's been, every defining major moment in so many of the small ones had, were heavily involving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was doing something in my life, whether I was aware of it at the time or not. You know, when I, I think about the first time I ever had the guts to pray for somebody, and holy crap, they got healed. Like God actually, the Holy Spirit healed them. It wasn't me. I didn't know what I was doing at all. It's never been me. Or the first time that I ever felt like I, well, one of the major times I ever felt like I heard the voice of God, like whisper in my mind, just in my mind, I heard this phrase say, you're going to be a pastor someday, get ready. And then to watch that get walked out and that come true. Holy cow. I remember the very first time I ever Looking back, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time. I didn't know for years it was the Holy Spirit. The first time I ever really said yes to Jesus. I was in eighth grade, and I was, a, I was in, sitting in a front, like front pew of a Catholic church, and I was goofing off with all my friends. <laughs> and I, I remember watching all of us goof off, and this thought came into my mind. I thought, God, if, if, if you're real, like if you are really real, like, I don't want to just do this religious game. I don't want to just check this off the, my, you know, religious box. Like, I want to have fun with my friends, but this is, I know, if this is real, I don't want to just goof off every Sunday. I want to, like, know you. And boom, I started, like, felt this weight come on me, not like an oppressive weight, but like a heavy weight on my shoulders, and I started to cry right there in that front pew. And I was like, what is wrong with me? That's what I was thinking. What is wrong with me? None of my other friends are crying. Like, not, there's no reason for me to be crying right now. And it wasn't for years and years later, as I started to learn more about, well, what does the Holy Spirit look like? And what are other, how do other people experience the Holy Spirit? That I was like, wait a minute. And I, and I went back through that memory, and I remembered that. And, I, and somebody had to kind of walk me through that and said, Andrew, that, God was answering your, your question right then and there. He was saying, I am real right then and there. And you were experiencing it through your tears and through, the, through that sense of weight. But every, I mean, every time in my life that 
I think that I can say, God, you're doing something. The Holy Spirit is involved in that. And one thing I've learned is that Christianity, minus the Holy Spirit, is not authentic Christianity. It's not, it's not Christianity to the fullest extent. It's not Christianity as God would, would, would want us to experience it. That he, he intends for us as men, for everyday Christian men, he is inviting us to be men of the Spirit. To be men of the Spirit. To, for that to, for, to learn to encounter and lean into and, and press into, God, what are you doing and how do I experience you as the Holy Spirit? So that's why I'm excited tonight. The question that is really basic that we're going to kind of go around and around and around about is this simple, very question is, how can I experience the Holy Spirit? How can I experience the Holy Spirit? That's the question I want to kind of explore. And if you've been a part of this church or the vineyard for a long time, that's probably not a a totally new concept. The Holy Spirit isn't brand new. Um, You may be pretty familiar with with some of the things I'm going to say. If you're newer to the vineyard or maybe you grew up in a a different denomination where the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about as much, um, you may have some intellectual understanding of the Holy Spirit. But, but in a practical sense, you might say, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, experiencing the Holy Spirit. Or maybe a friend invited you tonight, and, and you're like, what the heck is this thing you brought, invited me to? Like, you know? Like, can, this is weird. Can we just go get a drink? Like, can we just get out of here? Well, don't, don't leave. Like, I want you to stay here. I think God has some really cool things. Um, but I know that we're all in different spots. We're all in different places and kind of understanding that. So I think it's really important that as we look at this question, we first kind of define, just take a few minutes to define, what are we talking about when we say Holy Spirit? What are we talking about? Or more, more correctly, who are we talking about? The Holy Spirit is easily the most misunderstood, most forgotten person of the triune God. Easily the most misunderstood and most forgotten person of the triune God. Here's what I mean by that. Christians believe in this beautiful mystery that we have one creator God in three persons, like water exists in three different forms, you know, ice, liquid, and gas. That God exists in three different persons, but yet one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And typically, we don't have a problem with understanding God as the Father. Many of you are fathers, you've all had fathers, or have, currently have fathers, and And so we understand this idea, even in our culture, of what a father looks like, whether your dad was a good dad or a crummy dad. Like, we we kind of can wrap our brain around this concept. So to think of God as a father, we at least have some paradigm for that. And the son, to think of of God as a son, you know, as Jesus, Jesus talked about how he was the son of God all the time. And we we know what a son does. A son is obedient to what the father says. A son follows in the father's footsteps. A son, a son, you know, kind of does what the father is doing. And, and, and as we look at the life of Jesus, we can say, okay, well, I, I read all these stories and I hear all these stories. Okay, that makes sense. But the Holy Spirit, what do we do with that? What do we do with the Holy Spirit? What do we make of, of who he is? Ivis Conger said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit is like a person without a face. Person without a face. And, and why? And this is why the Holy Spirit's so misunderstood and, and even been practically, in many senses, in different parts of church history, been somewhat ignored. Because we don't know what to do with him. 
And when I say him, I'm not saying him like you or I um, would talk about a male human being, you know, with male body parts. I say him because he's a person and not an it. He's a person and not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force like in Star Wars or an energy or something we can conjure up and make wishes on like a genie in a bottle. He's a person with a personality who, as we see throughout the Bible, takes on and has the characteristics of personhood. We see in different parts of the scripture that the Holy Spirit comforts, the Holy Spirit speaks, that he hears, that he teaches, that he leads, that he helps, he advocates, he has a mind, a will, that he's able to feel, to be grieved, and can be insulted, actually. These are all qualities and characteristics of personhood. These are things that people experience and do. But because the Holy Spirit is so much harder for us to wrap our brain around and comprehend, he's been often the least taught about in our churches over the history of the big church. And sometimes we, we talk about God and we, we just we talk about the Holy, as God as the Holy Spirit and we talk about him, we just kind of throw him as an add-on. You know, like Father, Son, and oh yeah, the Holy Spirit too. But I believe that well-rounded Christian men, God wants to use us and grow us in knowledge and experience and understanding of not only him as the Father and not only as him as the Son, but also as the Holy Spirit, to grow to be men of the Spirit. But how can I experience the Holy Spirit, the I part? Let's focus on that for a second. How can I experience the Holy Spirit? You may be thinking, I can... I can kind of theologically like sort of get this idea that the Holy Spirit, you know, is one of the three persons of God. Okay, that's fine. But experiencing the Holy Spirit, that seems really like mystical to me or super spiritual to me. Isn't that, isn't that stuff for guys like you, Andrew, you know, like pastors or like, you know, small group leaders at least or something like that. You know, but what, I'm just, you know, a typical guy, typical Christian guy, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plumber, I'm a, not a pastor. <laughs> I'm my kid's soccer coach, not some spiritual coach. You know, what, what, how, am, how am I exposed to, how does this fit for me? How am I exposed to experience the Holy Spirit? Well, if you've been in the vineyard for a long time, you've, or really more than probably like a week or two, <laughs> you've probably heard the phrase, everybody gets to play. That's a phrase we use a lot, everyone gets to play. But does that really apply to the Holy Spirit? And to what extent? Absolutely it does. Yes, it absolutely does, or it should. It should. Everyone gets to play. Isn't really a vineyard idea. It's God's idea. It's God's idea. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fill and empower like one king here or one prophet there. The few and the elite would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus very clearly was filled with the Holy Spirit and would have been that, you know, he was the ultimate elite. But then something happens. Something happens in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit begins to come on every believer. And, and that becomes the norm, the expected experience of every Christian believer. There's a famous passage, I know many of you know it, 
uh, story of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Um, Jesus has died and risen at this point from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples and his followers. And he tells them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And we read this in Acts 2. He says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. See, here we see all of them. And who is all of them? What, who, it doesn't say in this exact chunk. It just keeps saying they. Was this a pastors-only conference? You know, who, who is they in the story? Well, in the chapter before, it tells us in Acts 1.15 that Peter had been speaking. They were trying to figure out who was going to take Judas's spot. Judas had died after betraying Jesus. And they were trying to figure out who's going to be the new disciple. And he's talking to a group of 120 followers, 120. So if we assume that, uh, that you know, 11 of them were the other disciples, who were the other 109? Who were they? Were they kind of behind-the-scenes Christians? Maybe. Were they maybe some new believers in there? Probably. Were they all feeling maybe like they were just kind of like typical guys doing their normal jobs, but hey, I do believe that Jesus is the Messiah? I think absolutely. And then we have this story when it says they. Some people have interpreted this story and said, well, that could have just been the disciples. It could have been. We don't know for sure. Even if it was just the disciples, who were they? They weren't anything special, elite. elite. They weren't elite rabbis in any way. They were everyday guys. And yet they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and they start speaking supernaturally in these different languages. And if you know the story, they go out in the streets and they freak people out. Because people are like, you're from Galilee and you're talking my dialect. You're talking my language. What is going on? How do you know that? And everybody thinks they're drunk. And Peter says, whoa, whoa, whoa it's nine in the morning. <laughs> That's pretty extreme. <laughs> well, they're not drunk. And he quotes from the prophet Joel. He says, you, we should have seen this coming. Joel 2, 28. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. On all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Peter was reminding the crowd that, that God promised to pour out his spirit. Capital S spirit means Holy Spirit. And he's, and he's coming on all of God's sons and daughters. And here's the thing, nothing has changed since then. Nothing has changed since then. That, that is the expectation that we should have as Christian men, that we have the Holy Spirit. That we should be able to learn to expect to live, to be filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it shouldn't matter if you're called to be a pastor or a plumber, or if you're called to be a spiritual coach or a soccer coach. It shouldn't matter. It should be a part of our everyday life as Christian Guys, and I think most of us know that in here. We, I think we know that in here, but I don't know that we live that practically. I don't know that, that in the way that we go to work and the way we interact with our friends and the way we interact with our wives and our kids in, the, in our neighborhoods, if we, if we really believe that 
to the core, to the fullest extent that God wants for us to. As men, we don't like to do anything that we aren't confident we'll succeed in, right? I know I'm not. I'm not going to try something new in front of other peers if there's a good chance I'm going to tank it. Right? I want to feel confident that I've done it a few times on my own privately, you know, or I've tried this out. I feel like I can do that before I'm ever going to do it in front of somebody else. Whether it's our pride or insecurity or probably a mix of both, we don't want to do that. So we just want to be the nice Christian guy who goes to work and is known as really kind, and, and that's it. And sometimes God and the Holy Spirit is inviting us to be more. To, to, to step into more with him, to, like Bill's right, step in the water a little bit more, to go a little deeper into the water. But we don't want to be those weird Christian guys who hear from the Holy Spirit, do we? We don't, we don't want it to be weird. We don't want to have the, God to ask us to do weird stuff or have weird conversations with people. But I have always wondered, I've always wondered, that if while these you know, early Christians all of a sudden started speaking in tongues and they went out into the street, I wonder how many of them felt weird. <laughs> I, I bet all of them did. I bet all of them felt, thought, uh, this, is, this is really freaking me out on the inside too. It's human nature, especially in men. Especially in men. All the time I think things, all the times I think things, like, I'm not qualified to do this. Bill, I'm not qualified to come up here and talk about the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm not. I'm not, you know, I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been, you know, reading my Bible enough this week. I, man, I have sinned and fallen down hard this week. I'm not qualified to do this. And that's all true stuff. And I'm a professional Christian, <laughs> I'm a pastor. So I know if it's true for me, I know it's true for many of you. But the real truth, the real truth is that God, because of what Jesus has done on the cross and, and validated through his resurrection, God says, you're my sons too. And, and I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit to do this stuff anyways, even though you, you don't deserve it even though you, you aren't good enough. And that's what he did when he used not only the disciples, but these other 109 men and people or people or whatever they were at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. He wants us to, to know that he's with us at work and at home and wherever we go, and not just in, this wall, in these walls, not just in this building, not just in our quiet times with him, and I don't think we're all going to, in a little bit here at the end, start speaking in tongues and head over to the Sunbury Square. I don't think that's going to happen, but I might. I don't know. But I do believe, I do believe that if you and I are adopted sons of God, that he's, he's commissioned us to be the hands and mouth of, of his spirit and to share the good news and be agents of the kingdom. And I know, I get it. Like, Andrew, I tried that once, and it went terrible. Like, I, I was like so empowered to do it, so charged up, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna talk to my buddy at work, I'm gonna like, and it just, it got real awkward and weird, and I just, was, it was bad. I don't think I hear from the Holy Spirit like other people hear from the Holy Spirit. I don't think we're on the same frequency. 
The truth is, though, sometimes God wants us, what he wants us to do can be a little weird sometimes. It, can, it definitely feels weird on the inside. I don't think God wants us to intentionally try to be weird or go seek out weird moments. But if we look at the history of what the Holy Spirit was doing all throughout the Bible, it was kind of, you know, a little different at times, especially in this story. But if we're willing to even step in the water a little bit, I guarantee, I guarantee it's worth it. The Holy Spirit has never led me somewhere that wasn't good to go to. I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not going to say it was easy or it didn't cost something or there wasn't some sort of pain or suffering or, you know, to go to. But the Holy Spirit has never led me anywhere that wasn't worth going to. And I know he won't lead you either. And when have we ever, when have we ever done something new or stepped out and done something new and been good at it the first time <laughs> or maybe even the tenth time? Right? We, we, we expect uh, to do that, but that, that's not usually the case. Steve Nicholson, he's a vineyard pastor. He was talking about this topic. Uh, I heard him speak this summer, and uh, he said this. He said, if a professional baseball player spends hundreds of hours learning to practice and play the game and still fails seven out of ten times, we'll pay him millions of dollars. Think about it. You get, you know, three out of 10, you know, on base, three out of 10 hits, like on a professional level, you're in, buddy. That's amazing. We applaud you. We, we wear, we put, you know, your name on the back of our shirts. So why do we think if we fail, you know, once or twice that that, that means that, oh, we're, we're not called to do this or we're not good enough to do this? Or, or God isn't going to use us in this. I know, I, we're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to hear from the Holy Spirit perfectly. But if experiencing the Holy Spirit in some form is supposed to be the normal part of Christian life, and he really wants to fill and use normal Christian guys like you and I, then how, do, how does that work? How does that work? And that's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. How, how do we create space in our life and learn to do that? Like, what does that actually look like? Okay, well, I want to use an illustration. And this is where I think the toes in the water is really good to think about. I think growing and learning how to experience and be led and be used by the Holy Spirit is like learning to ride a wave. It's like learning to ride a wave. Go ahead and throw that picture up there. Um, this is my kids this summer. I have a daughter and two boys. And uh, we went to Destin, Florida uh, for a little beach vacation. And I uh, had so much fun teaching them how to boogie board. I'm a terrible surfer. I've tried that a few times. I think my skinny little legs can't stand up on the movement of the water. I, I fall down every time. But as a kid, I loved to boogie board. I loved to ride the waves. And so I took my kids out in the ocean, and we started to practice and learn how to do it. And I think that in a lot of ways, uh, this is what it's like to experience the, learning how to experience the Holy Spirit. Andy Park, he was an early vineyard worship leader. Um, you may see his name on a lot of old songs that we sing sometimes. But he posted something on Facebook a few weeks ago where he used this illustration. And I'm kind of borrowing his idea and tweaking a little bit. But learning to ride a wave of the Holy Spirit. Well, the first thing that we have to do is we have to wait and watch. We have to wait and watch. 
One of the things I think we do too often is we don't wait long enough for God. We are super impatient, super impatient. We might be praying for someone or something and we say, come Holy Spirit, and it gets uncomfortable for about five seconds of silence, so we start talking and fill in the space with words and we talk and talk and talk until we can't think of anything else to say and then we say amen and we run for the door, right? We aren't comfortable waiting on God. Or in private, we're praying with God and we're saying, God, I really want a different job. I'm, you know I'm miserable. Or I, 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 I need a job. You know, I'm looking for a job. And I'm, and I'm miserable. Or I really want to be in a relationship. You know, I, I really, and I, I, I'm, I'm just lonely. And we just, we, we, we just, what if God, what if you said, come Holy Spirit, and God said, I don't want you to wait a minute, I want you to wait a year. Could he do that? I think he does sometimes. I think sometimes God says, I have an answer for you, but it's going to take a year. Will you wait? But we don't want to wait a week, <laughs> right? We don't want to wait a month. We don't. But sometimes God calls us to trust in him and wait. And if we don't see anything happening, then what do we do? We, we make it happen. We fix the problem, right? <laughs> That's where men. That's what we do. We fix things, right? We try to fix our marriages. We try to you know, fix our jobs. We try to fix our kids. And sometimes God says, wait, wait. I'm going to do something, but you're going to mess it up if you start trying to fix it right now. It's not my timing. And so we jump into the next job or the next relationship, and then a few months down the road, we realize, well, darn it, this isn't any better than the last time. And what do we do? We don't look and blame us. We blame God. <laughs> we say, God, why, if you would have just given me a different job faster, if I would have never met that woman, right? <laughs> we blame him. God calling us to be a people who wait. Back in the at Pentecost, in the house in the upper room, what were the disciples doing right before the Holy Spirit came? They were waiting. They were waiting. Acts 1, verse 4 through 5, Jesus told his followers, he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Can you be more specific, Jesus? Like, like two days? Are we talking two days? How many days? I mean, how long are you asking me to wait for? They had to wait. It's not our job to conjure up and force the Holy Spirit to come, but instead to wait in Jerusalem, to wait for him, to watch for him. Back to talking about boogie boarding. When I was teaching my kids how to boogie board, they would, they would look at me and be like, Is, should I go, this one? They wanted to go on every little blip of the water. And if you ever surfed or boogie board, that's not, you don't do that. You have to look out into the deep water and you have to watch the swells building and rising. And you have to watch, you have to learn what, it looks, what a good wave is, is, looks like out there. You have to watch for, the, for it to get bigger. And I would, I would point to them and say, no, no, don't go yet. But do you see that one out there? When that wave gets here, it's gonna be the big one that you wanna ride. But that takes learning, that takes practice, that takes being in the water for an extended period of time. 
It, it helps to have somebody else who's done it before, like me telling my kids, hey, this is what's going to build. It helps to surround ourselves with, with men and people who, who know a little bit more of, of what the Holy Spirit can do sometimes or looks, has looked like in the past. And, and what does that look like? And how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit or not? How do I check that? Sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error. But at the end of the week, my kids, they could begin to spot them. My son, Kay, would be like, Dad, that one out there. I said, yeah, that one's going to be big by the time it gets here. Okay. So what are the things that we should be looking for and paying attention, like, like really impractical, practical stuff? Well, a couple of things. First, we want to be paying attention to our thoughts. We want to pay attention to our thoughts. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will put a thought in our minds, and all of a sudden we'll think about a person or a topic that we didn't expect to think about. We might get a picture of something in our mind, or, and it may be symbolic in some way, or a verse, or something that God wants us to do. And it's important that we, we process that. We actually think about, well, is that thought or idea, is that from you, God? How do we check that? Well, one, one way we can check that is we can share it with other guys, like Bill was talking about. And we check it with what we know to be true about Scripture, what we know to be true about God. You know, at this story of Pentecost, what did Peter do? Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're all speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden, he gets this thought in his mind. <gasps> Joel 2.28, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. Before he, but, but he has to check it with God. He has to think, well, is this, is this what God would say? Oh, yeah. That's what the prophet Joel predicted. So I know, I know I can step out in boldness and say this because I know this is what God is up to. Now, you don't have to be a Bible theologian. I don't think Peter was. You don't have to have you know, whole books of the Bible memorized to do that. But what do you know about God? You know, when you, a thought comes in your mind, an idea comes to mind, well, God, you're merciful. So are you calling me to be merciful right now? God, you're forgiving. So, you, so it would make sense if, if you would call me to be forgiving right now. The things that we know to be true about God, if it lines with that, because the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict the Father or the Son. They're never going to say one thing and do a different thing. The same God. But when this happens, I know in my mind, to me, just so you know, I don't hear some deep theatrical Morgan Freeman kind of voice. <laughs> it's just my own inner voice. You know that inner voice when you have in your own thoughts? What that sounds like? That's what it sounds like. But it's, it's usually like nothing I was thinking about. Or it's not selfish and self-seeking like I, my brain normally thinks. You know, it, it, it seems to be like, whoa, where'd that come from? Oh, oh, that might be you, God. That seems like something you would say or do. Let me give you a practical example of this in, in everyday normal life, like non-pastor life. Okay, so I have been wanting to get to know my, my neighbor for a long time. We've lived next to each other for a long time. He's the, totally the guy who comes home from work, pulls in, and goes, runs in his house, and never comes outside. He's never outside. And so we typically wave at each other, and that's the extent of our relationship. <laughs> and for a long time, I have, I've, I've heard things like that he's, that from, and again, neighbors talk, right, gossip. But I've heard like, hey, did you know so-and-so is struggling with some addictions? And do you know, like, he's going through a hard time, and da-da-da-da. So I've like wanted to get to know him, and I thought, well, 
I'm not going to go knock on his door for no random reason. That is weird, <laughs> right? That, that, that's, that's asking for weirdness. So I would say, I, say, I remember I prayed this many times, God, if you want me to talk to him, then you're going to have to make a wave. You're going to have to like show me, show me something happening where we can do that. So the other day, I was um, out in the front yard pulling some weeds, doing some yard work. My kids were playing. And he comes out. He just bought a new car. And he's changing the temporary tags off of his car and putting the permanent plates on. And I, this thought came in my head. There's your wave, Andrew. You got about five minutes because it's not going to take him long. And I thought, oh, okay. 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 Hey, so-and-so, I love the new car, man. It looks awesome. And I, all of a sudden, I realized my legs are walking there. And I was like, I don't want to walk over there, God. <laughs> like, why are my legs going over there? And we talked for like two minutes, super short. And I just, at the end, I felt him, God nudge me again and say, hey, this might be weird, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, hey, we've lived next to each other for a long time. We don't really know each other. Would you ever want to, is it weird to, it, you want to get coffee or something? He's like, he's like yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll, I'll text you. Like, we'll text. Or what's your number? So we have, we're getting coffee next week. That's the plan. And I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I'm kind of not riding the wave completely yet in that experience, if that analogy makes sense. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm in the water with him, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm listening to the thoughts that come to my mind in an everyday you know, sense. Second, we want to pay attention to our emotions. We want to pay attention to so our thoughts first, emotions second. So if I'm praying and talking with God and all of a sudden I get filled with this crazy sense of joy or compassion or the opposite, sorrow, depressed, like, okay, God, I wasn't like that two minutes ago. What's going on? You must be doing something. If I'm praying for somebody, even just thinking of them in my head, not even actually like, I mean, it may it does happen to me sometimes when I'm praying for somebody like up front up here or in my small group, but sometimes I'm just praying for, for somebody like at my own while I'm driving my car, and all of a sudden I'll get this sense of a, just emotion. What is that? That might be God. That might be the Holy Spirit. Maybe that person is going through a really secretly depressed time that they are struggling and they're not letting anybody know. You know? That may be a clue for me to reach out to them and pray for them or say, hey, this may, be, this may be off, but are you doing okay? Like, I just was praying for you. I had a sense that maybe you were struggling. And, oh, yeah, actually, I am. You know, we want to pay attention to our emotions. I, I've heard people say things like, uh, hey, when I encounter the Holy Spirit, it feels like swimming in a pool of liquid love. <laughs> like, like there, there's no words to describe it. That's the best I could describe it. Or, or being covered by a blanket of love. Or like the time when I uh, was crying in eighth, as an eighth grader in a Catholic pew. Well, what was that? You know, what was I experiencing there? I was experiencing the Holy Spirit. And I have found uh, that resisting the urge to cry and attempt to hide what's going on, you know, if I'm worried people around me are going to notice, really does a disservice to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in me. That to say, okay, God, I'll be vulnerable I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of go with whatever you're pouring out. Like I've seen some of the biggest, toughest, most stoic men in tears when the Holy Spirit comes on them and does a deep healing, inner healing work in their life or breaks off addictions in their lives. 
It's powerful. Like, it affects our emotions. It affects our emotions. Sometimes joy can overcome a person so much that it comes out as like uncontrollable laughter when the Holy Spirit shows up. Um, this past summer, uh, the staff, we went to um, Vineyard National Conference, and during one of the sessions, which was, the whole conference was about the Holy Spirit, but uh, one, during one of the sessions during the ministry times, somebody burst out laughing like, like they just heard the funniest joke they've ever heard in their life. <laughs> and I just, I was like, wow, that is weird. <laughs> It's weird, and honestly, my, 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 this is true, I was really skeptical. I thought, what is that guy doing? What kind of show was he putting on? Those were the thoughts that went through my mind. And it's funny, I was talking to JT afterwards. I said, what did you think of that guy laughing? And uh, he said, he kind of said the same thing. He said, at first, I was kind of skeptical. He said, but then I looked over, and I, I realized I know the guy. I know the guy. He's, he goes to a different vineyard. But I know the guy, but his son died this past year. And he's been in a deep, dark depression since that day. And he said, and I knew that wasn't fake. That wasn't fake at all. That was the Holy Spirit coming and just breaking the spirit of depression off of him, filling up with him so much joy that he could not contain it. That he couldn't contain it. And sometimes that's what God wants to give us because he loves us. Sometimes... Our emotions are indications that we should pray for somebody. Like I was talking about, you get a sense of sorrow, depression. Hey, maybe that's an indication that God wants to deal with depression. You know, if, you're, if you come here regularly and you're sitting in, you know, you know, in your chair and at the end of the service you just get hit by a wave of emotion like that, like, like come and let us know up front. Come share it up front. Come, come let one of the pastors know. That might be a sign that God wants to do something in people in the room in that kind of situation. And third and final, we want to pay attention to our bodies. We want to pay attention to our, our physical bodies. Sometimes people are waiting on the Holy Spirit and they begin to shake. They begin to sway back and forth. Sometimes they even fall down. Not too long ago, I was in a, in a setting where we were waiting on the Holy Spirit and I started swaying back and forth and I realized I was doing it like this. And I thought, this is weird. And I tried to stop and I couldn't. I couldn't. It seemed like the more I stopped, the bigger and amplified it got. And I just thought, this is the weirdest thing ever. But, but what, I, what I realized was, it was simply that God was just showing me again that he's real. That he's real. That, that he wants, that he's living in me, that he's for me, that, he's, that I can count on him to not leave me. That it, it increased my faith. My faith, not my face. <laughs> my faith. Sometimes, physically, hands will start to shake. People will be waiting on the Holy Spirit. Hands will shake. They'll turn red. They'll get tingly. It can be, a, be an indication that God is doing something. Oftentimes, um, uh, eyes will flutter. Faces will get red. Uh, sometimes that can be an indication of what the Bible says that God wants to impart spiritual gifts. He wants to give people spiritual gifts, if you're familiar with that idea. Um, hands can be a sign uh, that God wants to impart the gift of healing or serving. You know, faces or heads can be an indication that God wants to give a gift of leadership. Uh, mouths, if they get to twitching or, you know, reddish or, you know, more red than normal, it can be an indication, lips can be an indication of, of uh, prof- prophecy or a gift of teaching. Well, again, another time at the national conference, there was a guy who we were waiting on the Holy Spirit and he literally started running in place. 
and it was not carpeted. <laughs> it echoed really, really loud throughout the whole like, auditorium, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I didn't know this. I'd never heard this before, but, but the speaker said, that, go, you guys need to go around him and pray for that guy because, because when feet start moving, that can be a sign of the gift of evangelism, that, that he is being sent out to share the good news with people and have, have that. And I'd never heard that before. Um, sometimes we get sympathy pains. We get pains, you know, in a little bit. We're going to take some time and wait on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you, you might feel a pain in your body that wasn't there before. It might be an indication that God wants to do something with people in the room and heal some of those things. Now, if, if you, you, you start to realize your back aches and you realize, well, I kind of did a lot of yard work yesterday, <laughs> And, and it's been hurting the whole time. Well, that's probably not God. That's probably just, you need to take some Advil, <laughs> you know? But, but if you, you know, you, you can't think of any reason why you, your back would hurt and you haven't done anything to it and it's not a normal pain for you, like that might be the Holy Spirit. It might not, I don't know, but it might be. And I just, a little disclaimer here. You know, when we talk about these outward manifestations of God and symptoms of God, where we can wait and watch uh, to see if he wants to move physically in our bodies, you know, that really doesn't mean anything to me if God isn't doing something on the inside. You know, really what God is always getting at, those are outward signs of what God is doing on the inside. So I'll take somebody who's stoic, emotionless, and God is, you know, <laughs> breaking off addictions and healing deep emotional wounds and speaking truth to them. I'll take a person like that every day of the week over somebody who's flopping around on the floor like a fish out of water. But then they go home and they, they keep treating their wife poorly or they keep you know, sinning in the same pattern they know is wrong and they're being unrepentant of it, if that makes sense. Like God cares. The outward signs of, of the Holy Spirit are, are so that we are become aware of what God is doing on the inside. So we wait and we watch. And second, we, we position ourselves to catch the wave. We position ourselves to catch it. Now, once, we, once we've seen, once we feel like, hey, that might be the Holy Spirit, we have to put ourselves in a spot to, to do something and partner with it. You know, my kids, they'd be boogie board and wham, a wave would hit them in the side of the head, right? And they'd go under and tumble because they weren't, they weren't turned around the right way. Or when I would tell them, hey, there's a wave a few feet out, you need to start paddling now, go now. Because you gotta build up enough speed so that when the wave catches up with you and breaks, you are moving at about the same speed that you'll ride that wave in. You know, there's a, we have, you have to put yourself in a spot to do that. You know, like the story with my neighbor and I. You know, I had to, I, had to, I asked God, God, you have to make a wave, it's on you, not on me. And then when he said, here's your wave, I had to actually start walking towards him. I had to actually open my mouth and say, hey, nice new car. Like, I had to do that. We have to, we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. You know, when the, at Pentecost, when those hundred plus, you know, people were speaking in tongues, they actually had to open their mouths for the words to come out, for the sounds to come out. You can't speak in tongues like this and anybody know it if your mouth's closed. 
You have to take a step of, there is a little bit of risk involved. They had to walk out of the house. They had to walk out into the street. They had to put themselves out there a little bit. And then third and finally, you gotta ride with the wave. You gotta ride with the wave. You know, you catch a wave, you, you do what the wave is doing. You, don't, you go the direction it's leading you. You feel the wave moving under you and around you, and you don't try to force it or control it or go against it. The power of the wave doesn't come from you or me. That's really important to remember. It's, you can't make a wave. You can't go splash around in the ocean and, oh, look, I made a wave. No, it's not going to happen. And this is freeing. This is freeing for us as men because we don't have to make anything happen. We, we can be, it takes the pressure off us. It puts it on God. It says, God, you want me to start like a small group at work? You're going to have to like bring me some guys who are like sort of interested in like talking about God. Otherwise, that's just going to be weird. You know? You know, yeah, you want, you want me to invest in this guy or know him better? You're going to have to put me in the elevator with him and so we can start some small talk first, you know, before we go into some deep theological conversation about our faith or something like that. But then, but then we, have to, we have to respond with it. We have to go with it. It's like when the, when the people were out in the street speaking in tongues, that light bulb goes off in Peter's head, and he realizes, whoa, this, not, this is the Holy Spirit, and he's connecting the dots between what the prophet Joel said, and he starts explaining that to everybody, and he basically gives the first sermon he gives, gives the first altar call, and people say, what, what are we supposed to do? What do we, you told us, you're telling us all this stuff about Jesus. What do we do with this? And so you need to repent and believe and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do. And 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000. <laughs> it's crazy. Peter had to ride with the wave. He saw what the Holy Spirit was doing, and he partnered with it, and he, and he, and he, and he went with it. And when I, I'm not talking about forcing anything or hyping anything up. That's what I love about the vineyard. We don't, we don't have people come up on stage and let me slap you in the forehead and say, be healed, right? We don't do that. We dial down. We get quiet. We create space for God to speak. But I, I, I know, I know that it is God's desire that we all learn to spot waves, whether it's here at church, in our homes, in our neighborhood, and we start to get ourselves in position to, be, to ride them. That's, that's what he's calling us as men of the spirit to, to mature into that. So we're gonna take some time here in a little bit and we're gonna wait and watch for the Holy Spirit. We're gonna maybe take a little bit longer than maybe what some of us are used to um, to give some space for that. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and stand up? Why don't we stand up? We got tons of time. I got go like another four hours, Bill, right? Yeah. I'm making you all stand up because I can tell it's Friday night. I'm getting a little drowsy. Get the blood flowing a little bit here. We're going to take some time here just to wait on the Holy Spirit and see if any waves are kind of happening. But here's the deal. Sometimes waves are big, right? Sometimes I take my kids to the ocean, and they're big waves to ride. Sometimes they're just little. And that's up to God. Sometimes God just wants to be quiet, and he wants to just comfort us and encourage us, and nothing big happens. And that's not any less important 
than when the big stuff happens. That's equally as important. One of the things I love that Andy Park, who talked about this idea of riding waves, says, he says this, he says, look at this quote, he says this, good waves come in sets of six or eight, and then there's a lull, and then another set rolls in. Watch and wait for the right times to surf. If there are no waves, go have a barbecue on the beach. But at all times, love one another, serve the needy, and do the main and plain things that every Christian should do. So I have like, I have super high expectations for God, but I am totally okay whatever he wants to do with the rest of tonight. I have no preconceived like idea of, well, I think this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. And I've been praying and I've been praying and praying this for weeks now that the Holy Spirit would show up in power and I have been praying that he would show up in power through you. I have been asking him, God, don't. If I get up here and talk about how, hey, we can all do this. This is for the normal Christian guy to do, da-da-da. And then I get up here and I you know, do the exact opposite. And I have all these words or things to say. And you guys all stay in your seats and don't you know, and listen. That completely contradicts what I believe God is saying to us. So I, I want to challenge you and let you know that you have an open invitation as we're waiting on the Holy Spirit, if you get a thought or an emotion or a feeling, to be bold, to share it. If we have 10 people share things and three, pe- three of them land with people, that's, that's batting 300. That's pretty good. Does that make sense? I, I, my, my expectation, and again, not pressure on you. It's pressure on him. We're just going to ride whatever wave he brings us. We're not going we, to try to make a wave. We're not going to try to force anything. All right, so let's do this. Let's just take a second. I think it's easier to close our eyes. I think we get less distracted. There's nothing magical about closing our eyes, but I, we tend to get distracted. If you feel comfortable kind of opening up your hands, let's just take a few minutes here. Not too long, but a few minutes. Let's just wait on the Holy Spirit. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, Come fall afresh on us. Lord, we give you the rest of our night tonight. Whatever you want to do. Put thoughts in our minds that are from you. Fill us with emotions that are from you. Affect our bodies if it's from you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come. Holy Spirit, I pray you would break off any barriers right now of us encountering you. I pray you would knock them down. I pray you would pull them down, remove them from us. Lord, I pray that we could repent of our unbelief that you want to use me. I believe. Help me with my unbelief, Lord. We say, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. We wait on you. We watch for you.